0: Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, episode number eight, a retread to the podcast. And I say that kind of digging at you just a little bit, Chief, because I you are one of the people that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy bumping into on the fire ground because it's not often we do get to work together. But then every once in a while, we go out of county and I get to come see you. Uh, And that's, uh, you know, Joe Speranza, the chief of the Hawthorne, New Jersey Fire Department, a very busy volunteer department, a really a rooted department within the municipality. I want to talk all about that and how involved the fire department is in the town um, as you know, as a leader in the town, if you will, but also your commitment to the fire department, your commitment to your borough um, being chief for the many years that you have been. And yet. I think my favorite thing about you, Chief, after all these years, um being at the at the lead of the fire department is the fact that you're always moving. You're always you're always evolving. you're always learning. and and after all these years of doing this, you still stand out to me as somebody that's always looking for creative ways to protect our volunteers, to provide top shelf service for our residents. Um and I just think you're super dynamic. And uh, so I just saw you um what a couple of weeks ago on a fire we had a small uh fire into the joining town you and i bumped into each other in the street it was nice to you know shake shake hands have a hug and and just laugh for a few minutes um but i said to you hey i'd love to get you back on the podcast um june 18th 2018 was when you were on last with me five years ago chief going on five years i can't believe we've been doing it this long you sat with us in our first makeshift studio Uh, which was in my in-laws garage and uh, we sat down and we had no idea what the hell we were doing at the time and it made for a great conversation so anyway long-winded but thank you for joining me today man It's, it's a real pleasure to have you back
1: it's definitely an honor it's always an honor to see you too it's always a pleasure to see you guys Unfortunately, it's usually at somebody's expense, but that's okay. We know that's what we're here for.
0: It's kind of the nature of the beast, right? I mean, it's that yeah. double-edged sword. I I like going to fires. It, you know, when, when yeah. we get to put our skills and abilities to the test, it's uh, that personal selfishness. A little bit of the selfishness that goes into being a fireman is that that need for working our craft, doing our craft, being able to perform and operate as a team. And being, you know, all that hard work, the training, the fruits of our labor that go into being a good firefighter, uh, every once in a while, our services are needed and we got to do it. We got to perform.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a breath of fresh air. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And fortunately, it brings us there. The bottom line is we're there to do a task and a job and try and make somebody's life as much or as better as possible what's going on in their life. But uh, it does bring some camaraderie back. And it also shows that there is a good side to us. There is a good side to us.
0: Yeah, I anyway, mean, what do they, what do they say, go. right? You want the problems to go away? Have a fire, right? Especially, <laughs> the, sure. especially in the volunteer service, and that's what we're gonna really dive into today. I mean, I talk on all mediums, we talk on all platforms about career volunteer. Um, today though, this is a volunteer conversation, and I'm excited to have it because it's not so often that I get to uh, sit down with a dedicated volunteer chief like yourself that I know personally, so I know some of the stories. I know how you you know handle your people, the department, working with the municipality. I just know you, and um, it's going to make for a great conversation, and that's really where I want to start. Maybe a little background about yourself, Chief, and in, in the Hawthorne Fire Department.
1: 21 years operating as the borough chief, and it's been not only a pleasure, it's been an honor, and the only reason I remain here is because of the people behind me. I mean, I steer the ship, but there's people that are pushing the ship forward, and, you know, God bless them for carrying the ball. You know, all I can do is hand it off. And I, and I appreciate that. And I'll be here as long as they need me to be here. If they want me to move on this year, I'll move on. But that's I'm still not going away. You know, I'm still part of the fire service. It's been bred into me all my life, all through my families. My uncles, my cousins are always firefighters. But that's what puts me here. To me, with education and the fire service, if you stop educating yourself, even if for an hour basically you're giving the opportunity for fire to beat you down. And I think that's some of our biggest problems. we forget that we're trying to undertake a goal and a task. And to get to that point, we kind of get frustrated with things that happen in not only the world, but only our fire departments. We've got to get past that. Just got to move past that. Keep working, keep driving it. People will follow lead that basically is evolving and trying to make things better. So that's, that's the model, but, I educate myself as much as possible, whether it be a YouTube video, watching another fire department, or learning from members like yourself. You know, you're never too bold to learn from a younger guy or an older guy. So there's always things out there you can learn no matter what. And I think the glory of a volunteer service is that we have opportunities that some of the paid don't.
0: Mm-hmm. We have
1: guys that are electricians, they're plumbers, they're they're carpet cleaners. We kind of get what their motto is and what their lifestyle is, and we can incorporate it into the everyday events that we deal with. And it definitely
0: helps. So. I, I yeah, I mean, it makes for a a, a very well rounded and diverse group when you when you have a volunteer fire department for sure. Because the volunteer side of it is is it's not paying the bills, and so they have to be good at something else. They have to they have to make their money elsewhere, and they serve based on that civic mindedness and also some of the other reasons why people volunteer. I mean, they, they can range greatly. But I have to ask you: There's a lot of people that are going to listen to this. And they're gonna hear that you're a 21 year chief. A lot of times with connotation with, with something like that, the connotation is that when a chief is there for that long in the volunteer service, he's stagnant. The department's stagnant, they're not moving forward. This is his kingdom, right? Like I've heard this time and time again where I'm stuck in a small volunteer fire department. The chief and his cronies have been in positions for you know 21 years. We can't shake, we can't get rid of them. We can't change our ways. So for you, 21 years as the departmental chief, I mean, there could be people listening right now, like, what the hell? This guy's been there too long. It's time for him to go. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm sure you know horror stories just like that,
1: right? Of course, and it may be time. You know, that's that's the decision I can't make. You know, it's a decision that's made by the members. But being chief for 21 years doesn't mean you sit stagnant. You can't sit stagnant. This job doesn't allow you to. There is no such thing as past practice. That's the worst thing I can hear to my ears is that, oh, it's past practice. We've always done that. Well, we've always done that, too. We always used to put water on fire. Now we're putting a lot more education into firefighting. It's not about putting the wet stuff on the red stuff. That's such a bullshit thing they even say nowadays. Mm. You know, we've learned so much more in, in evolving into becoming the best firefighters we can be with what we're thrown at. There's not anybody in this in this world that has ever thought lithium batteries would be our enemy. They are, you know, EV cars, they're a problem for us. New construction, huge problem for us. If we don't evolve with that and continue to follow that and educate ourselves on it, then we will become stagnant and eventually we will hurt somebody. Now we do the best we can to keep going. And to me, I don't own this department. I have no rights to it. I'm the chief of this department because they've placed me here, they own it. They're the guys that drive the ball. And if I don't particularly like what they're doing, that's too bad, Joe. Get past it. You have to follow what your members provide for you. It's their department. And when they give up that premise, this department will fall. And I don't care who's chief at that point. And it's any department. Your members need to own it. They need to drive the ball forward. They need to feel like they have a say. I'm not saying I can hear every member and do everything they say. But I tell you what, I filter a lot of things. I also talk to my members that leave the department. Mm. Why are you leave What can we do to improve? Tell us. You know, and sometimes you don't want to hear it, but you gotta live with the fact that these guys are moving away from you for a certain reason. And the majority of the guys that leave us, either they can't afford to stay on or they're moving out of the area. And that's disheartening because my goal is to find a way to make it easier for them to live in my jurisdiction and stay under this department no matter what happens tomorrow or in the next chief and so on. Fill the ranks. Find the people that are out there that wanna stay put, that want to give back to the barrel. That's the hard part. And that's the part that I live every day trying to figure out and I bet you a million other chiefs do the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's we certainly have, it's quite a dynamic situation more so now than it's ever been. Um, I just literally had a conversation the other night and the guys are like, we've been saying this for years that it's getting, you know, it's not any worse than it was. And I'm like, well, no, it is. It's more dynamic now. You know, they're like, Oh, we've been hurting for manpower for the last 20 years. It's not a new thing. I said yeah but you you guys don't realize we're asking less to do more. And that was one of the notes I had from you when you were talking about like EV fires, new construction, we're dealing with you know limited staffing, all these issues that as a departmental chief this is stuff that's got to keep you up at night, right? And I I always I'm always curious when I'm talking with other chiefs across the country, volunteer chiefs and even career chiefs. It's we're being asked to do more and more as more things start presenting themselves on our highways and on our properties it's the responsibility of the fire department to mitigate the problems and the issues that come with it right how how do you as a departmental chief for a volunteer a suburban volunteer fire chief it is a loaded question on how we get to combat and deal with all of this it's hard
1: key is staying ahead of the curve. I mean, if you see something coming down a pike, well, this year we're being faced with our officers need to have Hazmat Incident Command in New Jersey. Right. Well, a lot of us have it already, but we're moving towards making sure all the officers have it, never mind the chief officers. So our goal has always been here is trying to stay ahead of the curve, follow the pathway that they're going to lay out there, listen to the rumors, because rumors turn into truth, <laughs> and see if they're going to be something that, you know, hey, let's let's get on this now. Let's take, let's take the Incident Command System level 300 just to get it done. Why? I don't know if they're going to need it. But let's stay ahead of that curve and continue to do it. And then it seems to filter out a little bit more. The new curveball is what's happening in our life cycle. Mm. We're getting COVID. Guys have to wear masks going into a normal medical or you know, even a minor incident where you're taught to smell to find out what the problem is if you're not wearing an air pack, which you should be. But you know, a lot of times we make an, you know, we're investigating something. Now you're asked to be put a mask on. Well, how do you really find out what the problem is? And that's just one aspect of it you're dealing with car motor vehicle accidents that can turn into an inferno in a matter of seconds, which again, thank God doesn't happen very often, but the premise is there. Now in trying to break the old adage that, Oh, we've been here a hundred times and all that stuff. And I, and I don't disagree with that, but you know, it's, it's, I keep telling our guys, every alarm is a new alarm. Mm. It isn't because you've been here five times today. Let's learn from each avenue going there. I try to, or I get frustrated with it as well as they do, but it's, it's, Building the the block to keep the members on board is is a task and it is a difficult one. And right now I'm looking at from my little jurisdiction is that our call volume is increasing rapidly. i never thought Hawthorne, a little old town of Hawthorne, would be up around six hundred and thirty calls per year. That's that's when you told if you have told me that twenty years ago, I told you you're nuts. <laughs> we had three hundred, you were dancing in the street saying, Wow, yeah. we had three hundred runs. Yeah. Now we're exceeding six hundred calls and they're getting more they're more service oriented. But people call you because they need you. And you're doing it with less people. You're doing it with more training. You're doing it with more requirements. That's it. You're doing it with less funding. And you're doing it with people who don't really care as much for you as they did 20 years ago, which is a mm. bigger problem. So educating, getting in the community is everything we try and do here. We had a string this entire fall of running a movie for that the NFPA put out through grants and stuff like that just to get people that come out to the theater to see what we're about. We're an adult academy where we want residents to come out and see what a firefighter does. And a lot of departments do the same thing, if not better. It works. And sometimes it doesn't work. So we've got to filter that. And we have here in Hawthorne. we filter what works, what doesn't work. We've been lucky. We've added like seven people in the past four months, which is good, but we've lost five in the back half. So right. what do you really gain? You know? Right. Right. The goal is what do you find out there? And I'd love to hear from the chiefs too. And I talk to a lot of chiefs to find out what works, what works for you guys, because maybe it works for you and maybe it not work for us, but maybe we filter some of that and it comes here or it doesn't come here. There's a lot of things that we're, we're going to have to try and continue to build on to make the department better. Stagnation has actually gone reversal and it's not because of where I am. I could, I could be out here tomorrow. It's not going to change. Our ranks are becoming a bigger problem getting filled now. Mm guys don't want the responsibility of this and i know why i've been here long enough to understand why there's a huge responsibility on top of the fact that you leave office 10 years down the road you're still getting called for a lawsuit it's like wow but that's not the reason to stay put the reason to stay put is to build until somebody's ready to take over and then move away from it give them the ball but yeah time could be years ago it could be next year whatever but
0: yeah, I, well, in the, a lot of what you're talking about, which I love that you're going down this road because I know it's important to you, though, is that as we're being asked to do more with less, it means that we need to double down on our people. We need to double down on our department. We need to encourage and give the people everything we can to recognize them for their service, but also give them an environment that lets them thrive.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: That's focusing on, I think, the biggest asset we have is our people, right? I mean, we could have all the shiny red fire trucks in the world, but if we don't have well-educated and well-staffed people to sit in those apparatus and go to those calls, we're not doing anything. It's our people that matter.
1: A lot's happened where we have to do so much now, and that's the truth. That's not an excuse. We do, and we we get it done. Most departments are getting it done, thank goodness. But it's taking the fun away. You're not having a good time doing it because you're so busy trying to do it. Balancing that, it, it takes a small miracle. And, you know, we're we're looking at our, our old dinners where we used to have, and it's kind of like Groundhog Day. It's the same dinner after dinner. It is. So we're changing something this year. We're going to go outside in a tent, and we're going to have a good time and just be casual and try and just get the camaraderie back up a little bit. You know, we had an ice cream night here this past summer stuff like that it's just it's just finding a way to make the members feel yes you're right Jeremy, you're 100% right making them feel appreciated making yeah. them understand that this is their department we're just been, we've been placed by them to make it as good as possible for them but the bottom line it's theirs if i can't figure out a way to make it good for them they're not going to stay or they're going to find other things to do now we got to intervene at around their literally coaching their family matters their finances so the only thing I could do as a chief is go back to the borough and say, I need to do a little bit more and you need to give a little bit more without destroying the tax base on on the borough as well. So we're, we've been doing that and I've been grateful that my council and administration has been understanding this and listening to the fact that we need to do a couple of things to improve it, whether it be a, a increase in stipend or just you know a pool pass, something like that, anything to improve their lifestyle. You know. My next avenue is basically going after the governor. We have a lot of programs that a lot of the departments operate. What you're, you're not only your clothing lounge, but you're basically you do uniferous reports. You do them for the state. What is the state for, doing for us? Why aren't they giving us a tax incentive to be a volunteer? Fire, EMS, do something for us. It's not going to hurt if you can give away money to others. Which you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go that route politically, but <laughs> the bottom line. If you can give money away to others, why can't you give it to your volunteer emergency services, which you're requiring to do more and more and more each year and each month? And they're getting more active because people call upon us. They don't know what to do. They call the fire and EMS people. But I just think we have to take that ball and get out of the locals and go after not only state and federal's and say, you need to do something. You need yeah. to allow this to happen. Yeah, But nobody she- listens to it.
0: You got a longstanding voice in Passaic County. You've been a chief for many, many years. You have a longstanding voice. I'm sure you guys have a chiefs uh, organization. I'm right. Do you have a Passaic County Chiefs Association or something like that? Yeah, right. Do. Yeah. So my, <clears throat> I guess my question is, and shame on me being an ex-chief. <clears throat> excuse me, a past chief of the fire department too. I'm not very active on committees like that or or organizations, and I probably should be. Right. I'm probably at fault for that. But my question is, though, is everything we're talking about here makes for a great conversation on that level, where chiefs, administrators, managers, bosses of departments can come together and share the, the ideas, what's working, what's not working, where we're headed, what we're doing, what we're not doing. Is that being shared? Are you seeing a lot of that type of networking with the chiefs that in the in the local area? And then from there, Do we have the ability to go through like the national volunteer fire council or somebody like that, where we can get more resources back to help us build and craft a narrative that's supportive to our mission.
1: With the political venue that's in our country and in our state or local areas, it gets difficult, but you can't give up. I know you you get, you get somebody to listen and they move the ball forward. Look, look what happened when, and I hate to put governor Murphy on a a hot seat, but I'm going to have to, when they started to look at the, uh, Basically, the, the allowances for not only our firemen's homes and stuff like that.
0: I lost you, Chief. There you the are. Chiefs
1: realized that. You're back, Chairman?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Start over with that. I'm sorry. Governor Murphy, go ahead. I lost you there. You, know, that when you they, muted when
1: out. They started to look at the funding for firemen's homes and stuff like that. They were actually looking at reducing some of that. And some of that money was going to get subsided into other programs, which the state wanted to grab onto. Our firefighters and chiefs and officers fought back hard. Yeah. They made their voices loud and clear. If you continue to do that on everything we do, just recently, the Division of Fire last year wanted us to have, I think, the Hazmat Incident Command, and they were going to force feed it pretty quickly. And we fought back on it. If we continue to push back common sense avenues, we can win this, but it's going to be a while. And we need voices to listen to us. That's the difficult part. It's a challenge that's going to be longstanding for many chiefs to come, but we can't give up from our avenues being the local little guys.
0: And I almost feel, though, we're in a a situation today where we're fighting back less and less, standing up for ourselves less and less because it takes time. It takes commitment. It takes consistency. And those are things that most of us complain about the most about having or lack thereof, right?
1: You hit that dead in the bullseye. That's exactly right. How do you manage to, not only worrying about finances, worrying about family life, and worrying about time that you need to give back to us when you're adding more requirements yeah. to us each and every year. Some of it's logical. And listen, understanding solar panels and EVs and stuff like that, it's logic. But some of the stuff they throw at us with the increase of the fire academies for our newer guys, where are we going with this? You know, how far can we go? Fire two is basically a virtual repeat of fire one. Let's increase that. Let's cover some of the stuff that we're missing out, like the EVs, the solar panels. How about leadership? Why don't we start teaching leadership in fire two? We do, but not enough. You know, it just needs to go further. And I just think we, there's opportunities to tune things, and I don't think we see it all the time. I just don't think we see it all the time. Again, I'm not an expert of anything. You know, I I look at it and I meander through the forest just like anybody else, I'm trying to figure out what's best for us. But yeah, yeah. I, I hear other chiefs and it sounds like this is a very common cause. And we're just not pushing, we're not being able to get somebody to either change it or nobody cares, which is a bigger problem. Again, we're the owners of the division of fire and safety. We're the owners of the state of New Jersey as volunteer firefighters and paid firefighters. I don't care if you're volunteer or paid. We all have the same commonality but it seems like we just never get to the, to the gap, never, the gap never gets filled for some reason.
0: I wrote down, I wrote down underlined it like three times because it's, it's like the, it's my pure existence of common sense. I think we're lacking it more than ever. And I think that we need to roll that out into a lot of conversations where we go so far out. And I'm like, wait, can we just, talk about reality for a minute and let's not do all this hypothetical and all this crazy shit but i think though i think one of the the biggest things though is that we can't we have to find that balance between protecting our protecting the integrity of the volunteer fire service and what it is but we also can't limit or we also can't cheapen what it is like we can't we can't lower standards i think we can look at implementing and instituting new things, but how do we, it's the, it's the process of how we implement or how we initiate a new incentive or a new class or a new type of command, or now we're requiring hazmat incident command, whatever these levels are. And the other thing too, and I just, I would love some feedback from you on this. So I just want to take a couple other seconds to talk about this so you can form some opinions on it, but this checkbox mentality. And I think a lot of it has to do with that as the red tape gets gets thicker and thicker and and we're dealing with bureaucracy and classes that are coming down. And now we have mandatory classes. I know I sit through these classes and it's obnoxious how much information in there is just not pertinent to the conversation. It's like everybody wants to have a, a volunteer when we have our officers meetings for volunteers, the officer meeting could literally take 20 minutes, but instead we book an hour and a half and we run over and I think, though, back to the original conversation, Chief, was respecting our people, and part of respecting our people is respecting their time and commitment to our department. Let's make fair and reasonable meeting times. Let's give them opportunity to be home. Let's not vilify that they can't give you an unconditional amount of time and energy out of their own life, so the time and energy that they can give us we can maximize that. And I think that's the important thing of being a manager. But then we need to look at that, too, when we're looking at new training guidelines, implementing new ideas and thoughts and things like that. We have to be realistic in the approach. I understand we need to progress. We need to learn about electric vehicles, lithium ions, solar panels, uh, you know, all these things that we need. I understand that. I'm never going to argue that we need to keep furthering our education and training. But let's have a real conversation about the approach of how we deliver it.
1: That's a great question. Yeah. Great question. Delivering something like that is, unfortunately, some of the state mandates you're going to have to deliver that via that route. But the other stuff that you do is, is good training. Good training leads to good conversation, leads to guys using the time properly and understanding that their time factor is being built into a process that they like to do we're in sitting in a meeting and, and going over something and beating it like a dead horse is yes. it happens here too. Yeah. It happens here too. And it's everywhere it for it, sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. We try and put an agenda out for every officer's meeting method. I'll be doing that pretty soon for my upcoming officers meeting. That's what I want to talk about. That's some of the things that are critical. There's are some of the things that I'm getting back from membership. Mm. That I can't answer that. We have to answer as officers. I love that. If we can bolt, and I And my officers have a right to speak anytime. I want them to talk to me. I want them to basically allow the ownership of what they, they're finding out. But we also got to stay in the agenda factor and try and move forward and get out of here. I agree with you. I want to go home and watch the hockey game or the yeah, football I mean, game. You know?
0: For sure. For sure. I think the other thing, too, on the on the bureaucracy side of things is <clears throat> so often policies, training bulletins, they sound so great in theory because the guy that's mandating this and the people and the groups that are putting these mandates or requirements together they don't live in the trenches like and that is one of my biggest pet peeves it's the same thing with the fire instructors like we have instructors in our academies that haven't ridden a fire truck in 25 years and they're teaching they're teaching and it's it's now become it it, it's a concern of mine and i think that it parallels New policy, new procedures, people that are giving us new mandates, and yet they're not in the trenches, so they have no idea what it takes to implement or deliver what they expect or want on us. That is, to me, one of the most disjointed, full of nonsense, and I have some other words that I won't say, but, man, it's that, to me, is a problem.
1: There's no better instructor than a windshield time that you provide going to a call. Agreed. None. And there's no better instructor than a 20-year-old vet that's still active and giving 100%. There's no better instructor. He's the guy. It's, I, I want a, I want a paid guy that's been a retiring chief that's been active for 25, 30 years, that's seen the horrors of it. Teach me about him yeah. because I'm not going to see them with any luck, with mm. any luck. But I can learn about him. I can learn tons from a guy like that. You know, in a volunteer department, yeah, we get some windshield time, but not what the paid departments can provide for us. And that's where the education factor needs to, to marry. And I think that gap has been bridging quite a bit. I agree. A lot of the paid guys are working well with our volunteers. That's in the past 15 years, that's really changed quite a bit. You know, there's no more attitude that, oh, we're paid. You guys are, the... it doesn't matter anymore. You're kind of doing the same thing, but they have the windshield time that is teaching them a lot more than we are. They're answering 2,000, 3,000 calls a year. We're answering four 500, maybe 600. So to learn from these guys, if they're willing to educate us, which most are, is, is golden. You know, and I don't need to read out of a book. I, I want to learn theory. I mean, I want to read out of a book and understand that there's a theory, but I want to be able to apply it. When you get a gentleman that's been out there for 20 plus years doing the thing, doing the job and applying a the theory, that's the guy I want to talk to. I want to know, how'd you do it? How did it work out? What caused it to catch fire? What caused it to be extinguished? How did it work? How'd you keep your guys safe? How do you pass this two-in-two-out rule? You know, it, there's so much knowledge out there. We're just not seeing it from our elderly members that are active. Not the guys that have been around 40 years and, don't, you know, and aren't coming out anymore because they're older. God bless them, they've given their time. But sure. a lot of people out there that are putting 40, 50 years of service that are willing to talk and teach and show you not only the old things, but new things they've learned going forward. So that may be some way to bridge it completely.
0: We need, we need to be willing to listen
1: correct egos can egos shouldn't exist in a fire service they do but of course. they're trouble well, but
0: right? I, I always say you know ego is insecurity in disguise is basically how i look at ego right i'm a listen i'm a guy i got i have. there's nothing wrong with some ego bravado conviction confidence right i it, whatever word you want to package it up with but i think anybody that's out front with a very large ego i think when you unpack that or pull those pull those layers apart there's there's a lot of insecurity within
1: i'm dealing with a serious fire that I, you know i've maybe had twice in my career and there's a guy that's seen it twice a week sure i want to hear what's got to say you know
0: i agree with you and there's a there's a way to deliver right there's a way to deliver it and there's a an environment that wants to receive it it's finding that balance of how do we broker that conversation it's funny that you said Bridging the gap. I mean, I just, I, I do a program called bridging the gap and um, I just did it this past weekend up in uh, Bellingham, Massachusetts. And it's, the program has gotten, uh, it's very proud of it because it's very different than most classes that are offered at any conference. Um, and I talk about the generational gap and how we bridging that gap brings young and old together and how we, how we push the message forward by bringing those generations together instead of letting them drift apart. And um, it has everything to do with what we do right here at National Fire Radio. It's the same reason why I'm speaking with you today with all your years in the fire service, 21 years as the departmental chief. And yet the way you're talking, you're not talking like a 21-year chief that most people would conjure up in their head of what the picture is. A lot of times chiefs that have been in that position for so long, like I alluded to before, are very comfortable and complacent. And it's it's their kingdom. Whereas what you're talking about you're still involved. You are in the trenches. You're working for your people. You're trying to find ways to show appreciation and, and, and give our people every single tool they need to perform. I mean, that's that's what we want out of a
1: chief. Well, they're more important to me than everybody can imagine, whether I like you or dislike you. You're still one of my members and I, I, I do what I got to do to make sure you're safe, do the best I can. But I do want to hear from them. I, it's critical that I hear from my members and they, they keep me motivated when they see them perform. Well, my motivation increases. And I got to tell you, that's, that's been the driving force of being here for 21 years is the motivation of these members in doing good things is wow. There's no better feeling in all my, in all the yeah. world. It isn't.
0: Yeah. I would agree uh, with you. There's something about it when it all comes together. I think I said it in the beginning, like, you know, I see you in a fire scene. It's not that we want to, you know, put our, put our skills to the test, but we're going to be called to go to fires. I want to be there, you know, uh, fires happen. I want to be there and I want to perform. And it is, there's just something very much about that, that at the end of it, when you look back and you look at operationally, something can always be better or somebody can always improve or we can improve. But at the end of the day, when things come together, there's nothing greater than like that tailboard talk, that hot wash after the fire where guys are talking, spirits are high, Guys are jazzed up, man. They're juiced up, ready to go. I mean, that is when you walk away from that, especially the chief of the department that watches his companies operate on the fire ground and and effectively and efficiently mitigate whatever the situation is, there's no better feeling.
1: That's correct. It's like having the best baseball team in the world out there playing and they're playing along and they're getting along. It's fine. And all the differences in the world go away at a fire scene. I don't care what it is. Go away. Everybody has one common goal. And when you look back and you see the 40 members working on something, it's a proud feeling. Sure. And if it's not to you, then what are you doing? You know, then, then you've given up on yourself. I have pride in my guys and what they do. And it's not because of me. It's because of what they're performing. We just had recently had a, a, double, in, or a double entrapment on an MVA. went into a building, car was wedged. And just watching from a distance and seeing the guys work and not being looking for me, they're looking to do the job. You can almost see the disappointment of the guys that were being held back for a minute, and then they went to work. But that's what's motivating me. That's what gets me going. Is my guys being, or our members being happy, seeing everybody go home at the end of the day and, you know, hey, shaking hands and, you know, be safe out there. Wow. Like we've seen you at a fire just recently. That's the motivation that that really drives it home. When you see the pride that that's there, there's good out there. There's a ton of good out there. They're not allowed to see it. We're told by the media that there's no good. That's bull crap, man. There's a lot of good out there. And you look at a at, at paid volunteer, doesn't matter. Look at the firefighters, the EMS people that are working. That's the good. I don't know anybody else that's working in a, in a paid service saying, wow, I'm making a great salary here. No, it's not true. You're doing it because you're dedicated and you want to do it and you care about people. Even though you won't admit it, your, your ego is saying, no, nah, it's not It's not true. You do care. People do care. And a volunteer in paid services They provide good people. We just have to continue to drive them people out and overcome some of the nonsense that's out in our world. That says everything's negative. It's not. No, I agree with you.
0: The negativity gets the spotlight for sure. Um, But I, I do know, and I just said this over the weekend in my class, I said, I'm actually really happy where the fire service is right now. And in fact, there's more opportunity today than there's ever been. And it's what do we focus on and what do we want to capitalize on? We can always Focus on the bad. We can always focus on the things that are tearing us apart or bringing us down. But there's always that other side of the conversation where there's just this, this, and this that's happening. And I think that in 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 actuality, what I see is that what used to be a counterculture, that smaller culture of loving the job, promoting the job, making yourself better, which makes your company and department better. We didn't have those conversations very long ago, and now today it seems that that is more and more of a popular conversation. It seems that that counterculture is the culture now that's exciting to see,
1: yes, you're absolutely right, and I pray that it continues and keeps yeah. rolling you know going to find people that want to give letting them come out of the closet and say, "Look, here it is, there's an opportunity for you and then you flourish with it. you know what as a chief officer, the only thing you can do is you you orchestrate that that's about it. You don't yeah. own it. You don't run it. You don't make it happen. They do. it. Yeah, and that's I think pretty-
0: the I think the one important thing, right? And this is this is a big struggle for a lot of managers, especially today. Uh, I always find that a, a lot of things what people are talking about right now is leadership. It's like nobody's people are hungry for tactics, operationally sound tactics and considerations on the fireground, but it seems that more and more people are asking more about leadership and, and mentorship and, and the other side of what we do. And I think a big part of it is, and you being a, a, a leader, a manager, uh, an officer, a chief for many, many years, because leading up to chief, you were a company officer and, and assistant chiefs and all those things, right? And, it, and so throughout your career, there's, there's a lot of time spent in leadership positions. I think the one key tenet of leadership is letting your people work. Creating an environment where you allow them to do their job, whether it's a a lieutenant, a captain, a deputy, a battalion, an assistant to the backstep fireman. You have to let your people work. You have to give them the tools necessary to do their job. Give them the ability, the equipment, the knowledge to go do their job. But then you have to let them go work.
1: The hardest thing I've dealt with, and it still continues, is teaching my officers to understand that they are the guys that teach their firefighters. <laughs> They're not the guys that are supposed to be fighting the fire. Yes. They're supposed to be teaching them, mentoring them, keeping them safe. And it's it's funny, and I actually embrace it because I do think it's great, because the officers want to be firefighters too. Yeah. So it's wonderful. It's all good, but you really want our guys to learn and understand that their position next is to become an officer and keep going up, driver, then officer, and so forth. And it, there's there's so much we can learn from each other that I wonder why we just don't open our ears and listen. And there's things sometimes you just don't want to hear, but you have to embrace it. You know, it's uh, I'm blessed. I have a great group of people behind me, and uh, that's what's made me lucky. So it's, it's you know, but the fact of the matter is, there'll come a day when it's time to sit back and say, Hey, guess what? You know, but
0: Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot to it though, in your situation, chief, because you, you're an old school chief. I mean, you have new school values, but you're rooted in the old school of letting your people work. You're you're rooted in that belief cycle. And I think that that's really important. And as you'll see younger, less experienced people come up the line, you hope that you can instill that same type of uh, foundation, with them because i think one of the most frustrating things is creating a situation where our firefighters are worried they're damned if they do they're damned if they don't and a lot of fire departments have that especially in the volunteers it happens in the career service i hear about it there too but i can talk i can you and i can speak directly to the volunteer fire service we're damned if we do we're damned if we don't meaning you know the convenience of the argument, or the convenience of the discipline, or the it worked today, but it didn't work tomorrow, and there's no consistency in in a, in a message or a way in which we work that is detrimental to our people for sure.
1: Unfortunately, in a volunteer department, not everything hmm. is black and white, right? And I, I have a lot of guys that think it should be a rule, is a rule, is a rule. Well, uh, there's guidelines for that, and guidelines no, it- can be around to make it fit each member is different another big thing for us is making sure your family supports what you're doing hmm. if they don't support it you're not going to do it it's i don't care if you're paid or not it's it's a paid or volunteer your family doesn't support it but getting a message out to your members is critical again that goes back to ownership if they get their word in if they get if you get one out of 10 guys that can put his thought cycle into place and you use it as a department yeah they feel worthy of it
0: yes you
1: no know, and at least you got to listen but it's it's definitely uh, more challenging than ever before. It's, COVID has made us a different group of people in the world. But I, I still think, I think
0: COVID fine. excelled it. I certainly did. Yeah.
1: But I still believe there's positive. I think there's good people out there. You just got to go hunt them down and get them on board, and then let them show themselves. And when they do, they flourish. It just it, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: It is. And I think we I think what we have to do and what we need to recognize the most is providing opportunity. We give opportunity and let them have it. Create a yes environment, not a no environment. This is something I wanted to ask you about. Too often, we're comfortable in saying no. We're a no society. Before I'm even finished asking you if we can do it, the answer is no. And I'm like, well, why? Why don't we say yes? Let's empower our people. I mean, now obviously that's to a, a a point, right? On the fireground, this is not a democracy. The fireground's not a democracy. We're not going to figure out unless it's a long drawn out extrication or some technical thing that requires more thought and, and and team approach. If we're if we're at a structural fire, there's rules to be followed. There's guidelines to follow. Let's go do it. I'm not here as the company boss to hear your opinion on what should be done. Let's go do it. We need to do right. I get that. There's a time and a place. But if we got guys that saw something on YouTube and they want to try it on a drill night or try it on a Wednesday night when they're hanging out, repacking the front bumper line, why don't we say yes? Go ahead. Go try it. See if it works. Let's let's see it. Maybe, holy co- chief, could you imagine? Maybe somebody does it differently and it's better than ours, our way? I mean, could you imagine? Like, it's creating that environment where people feel empowered to be able to contribute to the bigger picture.
1: 100% agree with you. Really do. You know what? It's smooth board better than fog nozzle? I'm not the one that's going to say. Prove it to me. Show it's us. probably going to come back demo. around in
0: 25 years, Chief. You know, yeah. <laughs> It just goes
1: around. Demo it. Yeah. Guys, schedule a demo night. Have a vendor come out and and, and test these nozzles. Use them at the training center, whatever. Yeah. Find out. They come back and tell me. You did it with gas meters or you can do it with other things. I'm not going to be the expert of extrication tools. You are. The people that use them, other departments. Why? Tell us why. That's you know, it's it's a matter of it's it's called mentoring, basically. Listening and mentoring, finding out what works for you and what is, you know, the best thing, the best route to take. So it's it's this is definitely an adventure, I can tell you that. What we did notice though, I'm starting to notice is that the officers are were losing rank, which is an unusual thing.
0: What do you uh, mean by that? You're not able to fill the company ranks? Is that what you're talking about? Rank.
1: Yeah. Recycling a lot of times and mm-hmm. and that's the reversal of stagnant, which is almost troubling to me as to why. But I I get it. The responsibility level, the time consumption level of an officer. Yeah, he's not only responsible to the department, the town, his own fire company. And then of course his family and his job. So the time restraints have really become a challenge to overcome. That's why I say if your family's not behind it, wow, you, it's going to be a difficult run. Your family has to support what you're doing. You have to incorporate your family into it. I mean, I've drawn my kid into the fire service, and other members have done the same thing. It's it's really the challenge of trying to balance that act from the department standpoint. The more we can do to to improve camaraderie and understanding of what we do and why we do it, will make it easier for any chief officer to take over. They have to know why you're providing this information, why you're promoting this class, why you're requiring this class. They really have to know. And when a class doesn't look like it fits in the fire department, like anti-harassment classes and stuff like that, it's time to push back as a chief officer. And I have. We usually lose or we find a way to, to mellow it down and get the class taken and let the guys understand it. But there's there's so many things that we have to do that really is our functionality. Where some of the stuff is is really you wonder why they're pushing this issue at us, but hey, you do it, you can, you got to find a balance of it. And every department is different. I couldn't tell another department next door how to do it. It just wouldn't be fair. They know their yeah. members better than I would. So. Yeah.
0: Well, they were doing like uh, you know, in our municipality, we get our uh, all the uh, drivers have to get their drivers records checked on a regular basis. I think it's annual or or every two years, whatever it is. That's correct, part of yeah. that, the, the outside agency that does that, though, part of that form giving them permission to run your DL is also the ability to do a credit check on you. It all goes hand in hand. And our yeah, members. So, than, we came that?
1: close to that. I would not allow that in our barrel. That was coming towards us. The so what, check for that?
0: Yeah. So what we were told was that they weren't. So we, we did push back on it. Um, we still had to do it because the firm that does it, it's an all in one. However, what they weren't doing was they weren't concentrating on the credit reference, meaning they weren't pulling the credit on our members. They were just pulling the DL, but it was all part of their permissions, if you will, and so on. So we did allow it. You can opt out of it, but then you're not going to be a chauffeur anymore, right? So it was like, now, if, you know, listen, it's nobody's business. And the problem is, though, it's that slippery slope, right? It's that thing where the, it, we're in a municipal fire department. We're considered municipal employees, even though we're volunteer. We're not a fire district. We're not a private entity. And so we have to comply. And so it's things like that that we can look at and say, like, what is the detriment to our people, our members? Is this too evasive, like, you know, or invasive? Like, you know, we, and we got to have protections put in place. And I, I'm glad that you said you guys push back on that because. You do have to work harder than ever to educate your people today. Like you are more of a salesman, I think, today than you've probably ever been a salesman before, because there's more things you have to package and be that middleman. I mean, unfortunately, as the municipal volunteer fire chief, you are the go between from the borough administrator to the fire department.
1: Yes. And political avenues, you have to follow the political avenues as best you can and balance it. Yeah. The most important thing I do is, is worry about my members Yeah, and the borough hates the word when I use safety, 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 but I only use it when it makes sense. You know, it's, it's not a ploy to get something out of them. You know, if the, if the administration says no, there's probably a good reason for them to say, no, I'll push back. But listen, if it's going to affect the safety of my members, I'm going to push back a lot harder than ever before. Yeah, And I'm thankful that they have not taken that negative attitude towards that. And they've allowed us to move forward on things that were requested. Yeah, we don't always get a yes,
0: but... Yeah, but I also think, though, too, with time comes experience and knowledge and understanding when to push and when not to. And I think part of the problem is today in this world and things that we deal with in the in the in 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 society, let alone our firehouses, is the immediacy of today. It's like we set our mind to it and now we want it. We want it. And they tell you no. And now it's like, well, wow, they're not going to give us any... They're not giving it to us. I'm like, take a deep breath. It might take three, four years... To get a program or this capital purchase or something put through, it's going to take time. Things can't happen overnight. But what we all lack today more of than ever is patience. And, you know, I have to think for yourself, like, well, I, listen, I've been in those shoes. I did capital planning for for a ton of years and writing, you know, budgetary reports and, and you know, providing documentation why we need X, Y, and Z. And it is a game. It's a, it's a game of maybe not this year, maybe next year, the year after, but we need to, we need to remain strong in our conviction as to why we need it. And and you bring up a very good point, but man, today, more than ever, we got to have patience. We just don't have it.
1: Patience and understanding, you know, without, listen,
0: I love how you just, you're smirking at me while I'm talking because you're like, damn it. He's going down this road. Like, yeah, I, I, you know why I can do this with you. And I think that this is, these are real conversations that I think people that are going to listen to this podcast that are in similar situations as yourself as a departmental chief or a line officer in a volunteer suburban department, they're facing these issues. They're, they're dealing with these things. We need to have these conversations, right?
1: The administrators is our financial manager and the, and the residents are, are the people that are customers. They're our customers and they're going to pay into what we need to do. And if we can't prove why we need it, or we really can't, Take that venue, we're not going to get it. That's right. Again, safety avenues are different whole games compared to wants. You know, we, we've been pretty good with making the town understand we need fire apparatus every 20, 20, years. But fire apparatus has gone from 500000 700000 now in excess of a million dollars. It's not as easy as a borough for, or a town to say, okay, sure, buy another one. It's not that easy. Right. And we have to understand that from our point of view. We have to stretch it out. You're exactly right. If you have to stretch it another year or two, you do what you can to do that as long as the vehicle is safe to operate. And I think with good understanding and good knowledge to the members, they'll get it. They may not be happy about it. Neither would I. But I understand the fact that we may have to wait an extra year for like a, we're looking for a rescue truck. We may have to wait another year. But I know I can't not set the seed and let them understand there's avenues, there's options to take and we should look at them before we close the gate on it. Let's make sure that Rivero doesn't wanna say, no, maybe we'll lease it. Maybe we'll do a finance option, whatever. Maybe we'll use a cooperative town to help us purchase it. I don't know. I mean, Corthorn is being unique right now and my administration is allowing us to do so. We're being unique in, in not only seeking assistance from other departments, we did a cooperative grant with the local town next to us. So there's things we can do we just have to look outside that box and find out what will benefit not only my members, the residents, the towns, and the towns that maybe we're operating with. So it, there's ways around it.
0: I, you, you, said, you said something before, the residents are your customers. Um, I think so often in the volunteer fire service, because this is what I can speak to the most, I think we lose track of that sometimes. Sometimes we don't put them ahead of our own needs, wants, and desires. I think that we've become some uh, too selfish and, and self-focused every once in a while. And at the end of the day, everything we do should be representative of the services that we're providing to the residents that require us to provide them. Um, I'm, really, I'm really curious by this. You open the door. Not to, I'm not putting you on a spot by any means, but I love this conversation because I am a realist when I have these conversations and I look at the amount of equipment the dwindling manpower between municipal departments and looking at joint services. Um, And I can speak specific to where I am. I'm not, I'm going to hit this with generalizations and I'd love just to get some generalization from you too. I'm not asking for anything specific here, but there's a time where we are going to have to focus on what the true need needs are. And that's providing an engine company within four to six minutes, you know, four minutes of an initial alarm providing with adequate staffing and the ability to get a line to the seat of the fire. Right. Just like EMS in our area, EMS is going through a tremendous struggle in our area right now. And in fact, in my County, they've now brought on countywide ambulances, which is a new thing. They never had that before, but they had to, especially over COVID these volunteer EMS agencies, volunteer fire departments are starting to go. I mean, EMS has been doing second, third tone, mutual aid, mutual aid, mutual aid to County ambulance, Fire departments are starting to go second tone and that's a new thing. I mean, I never in 29 years in the fire service have we gone second tone for, for a run. And, and that is starting to happen in the County. Um, Things are changing. We have to really start focusing on putting the customer first and what their needs and more so their expectations are of us. And I think we're, it's a hard conversation for us to look in the mirror and look at alternative ways in which we can provide a better service to the end user. It's a hard we get, conversation.
1: we get stuck in yesteryear. And you're right. We have to focus on the fact that regionalization uh, may not have to come in in a proper sense, but regionalization in a common sense, meaning you're going to use another department daytime with you. It has to happen. It, and it, it makes good sense. I know Hawthorne's problem is daytime, we're a little bit tighter. We have DPW workers, thank goodness. But, you know, there's not the army that we used to have. Nighttime, forget it. You can put name tags on guys and, and you'd have plenty of members. And most departments feel the same way. But recently, it's become more and more of a challenge, even nighttime, to get crews out. You have mm-hmm. to look outside the box. I know I have five companies that operate at a separate houses. One of the things I hope never happens, and I hope it never happens, is we'd have to place two pieces of equipment in one garage so you get trucks on a road. And I think we're holding our own, we're keeping our head above water by getting trucks out with enough people on it. But think about that, imagine trying to get that through as a chief officer to your, your township that, or your members, that you're gonna take one company and put it in our, our headquarters building with not only a rescue truck, a ladder and an engine, and then put it back in our garages at night. They're gonna think you're nuts. They're going to think you're crazy. Why are you doing? It? Oh, he's got. To, he's being spiteful. The fact is, we have customers to deliver a product to. I don't go to a hot dog place and buy a hot dog without a bun. You know, it's it's not the way it is. It's true. We have to deliver a service, but to find a deliver a service, the best we can. And if we can't, then we're not looking far enough. Outside of the box. And yeah, and yeah it's it's drop the ego. I mean, I have counterparts that we deal with constantly and if their chief pull up at my fire i don't care did you put it out you know it's not going to be about that it's about doing the task he's going to gladly hand it off to me because he's not going to want it but yeah you know for the most part it's not about it's about cooperation not only the department now it's extending beyond that
0: well and i think locally, what go ahead please
1: no locally i think it's starting to work pretty solid but it's 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 a hard sell It's hearts healthier volunteers.
0: I know years ago when we kind of standardized in ours. Now, you and I, it's funny. So we can work together. We've been to the same fires together, but we're in two different counties. We're just two, you know, there's a buffering town between us, which is the county line. And so we don't run together as often, yet we're right down the road from you. You're right down the road from me. You've come to fires in my town, right? I mean, I think we've been down to you guys. So it does happen. But we tend to find each other on on mutual ground somewhere else, a mutual aid department. I know in our county, our mutual aid and so on, we've done a very good job at accepting rank from other departments as an equal to the rank of our own department. And so we're putting chiefs to work as an equal. We're putting companies to work as equal companies now. Where years ago. We we would never do that. And now we've gotten rid of the name on the code, if you will. And it's the fire ground. And if we have another chief come in and we need a chief to go up to the second division to be the division boss or we need a guy outside or we need a guy in planning or staging or whatever it is, we can take him and plug him into the equation. I think that that is a good way. You said two things. You said regionalization for the sake of reason or common sense regionalizing. And I think that, you know, whether that's just an engine company mutual aid every day for, you know, know, uh, uh, large occupancy or things like that, whatever it is, but you have to have a realistic approach. And I think that common sense, we have to allow common sense into the conversation. And we have to keep the people, the residents, the people that trust us to be there for them. They have to be at the forefront of all those conversations. Is it good for them? Are we providing the service that they require? See, they don't care. And I talk about this in my one program. Nobody cares about our internal politics. Nobody gives a crap if our guys can get up or can't get. They don't care if you want to sleep in, not sleep in. You want to sleep through that CO alarm in the middle of the night when we should be getting five trucks out, you know, like all those things. The people don't care. They just want us there when they call for us. All the other stuff's our fault. It's our problem. And we need to make sure that the decisions we make that represent all of that, though, represent the people that are have an un, unbiased, you know, uh, faith and belief that we'll be there in the way that we need to be there.
1: I've never had a mutually a town resident turn to me and say, oh, you're from a different town. Right. It's always thanks for coming, appreciate it. Yeah. For the most part. I've never had anything negative as far as that. They don't care where you came from. They just want to see the fire truck and you need to help them put the problem or take care of the problem. We have to evolve the same way. And it's hard to do because we get, we do this. We kind of we want to put our shoulders together and say, nope, this is my pro- this is my town. It's not. It's our town. We work together. I truly believe that our evolution here in my little local little little uh little pea or a flea in the grass is going to be that if we don't start working solid with our departments, which we do, yes, uh, we won't survive. Mm-hmm. And if we ever fill the ranks to the point where we have too many members, good. We'll supplement mutually to other towns. So what? <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's it, it's it's a balancing act that you you hit it before. We're not being able to fill anymore. It's not a it's not a sequential thing. Or years ago, you used to have a company be low in manpower, and next year they'd be up in manpower. That's not happening anymore. No, and it's not going to happen. Not not in the current state. But again, like I said before, there's a lot of good people out there. We have to find them. We have to go hunting for these good people that want to try something that aren't afraid to say, you know what? I'll put on a coat. Let me see what it's about. Let me come to your leadership program. Let me come to your adult night program. Let me see what a firefighter does. Let's see what EMT does.
0: How, Chief, what are you guys doing? If I can ask, are there anything that's a little bit unique compared to what, you know, other people are doing? Are you guys looking at, you know, uh, you know uh, ways in which you can entice members from the community?
1: I just recently challenged my high school principal and we were still communicating on it. It'd get when, Give me your football team. They're the toughest guys in Hawthorne. I'm supposed to be told. I love it. Come to the training center for one night. Let's see how tough you guys really are. And we're trying to work through the school board, which we probably will accomplish soon where we can get them to come out, put on our gear and make sure that the insurance is going to allow it, which they will, but let them go into a smoke filled environment. Tell me how tough you really are. Cause I'm anxious to see that. And I think once they do that, they learn that, we're about teammanship as well. Yes, We're a football team without playing the ball, without having a ball. We're in there doing other stuff. I think you might be able to get people to change their – instead of being the, the, the whacker firefighters, you'll be the guys like, wow, them guys are pretty cool. That's pretty tough what they do. And the same goes when we're an EMT or an EMS person. Once you realize – I look at the EMS as more difficult than us. Let me ask you that, Jeremy, why don't you join us and come in and work with a guy that's got COVID and he's got hepatitis and an it affects his disease. Yeah, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah, but you know what? They're, they're recruiting the best they can, and they're having more difficulty. It's harder and harder for them. Hmm. Imagine us—we sure. get fired. we get the glory of it, you know. And it's not the glory on somebody's behalf. Somebody's losing their property, which is heartbreaking. But the bottom line, we're doing it. And most residents that lose their homes due to a fire, which is sad, come to us and say thank you guys for what you did. There's nothing more important than hearing the words out of the mouth of somebody. I don't think I've had too many come to us and say, you couldn't do this. It's been, wow. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Everything you did, we appreciate it. If that gets sold to our membership, it grows pride. They'll start to come back out. They'll start to do more. And they'll bring friends. But I really, I think the uniqueness and we're trying to do is getting involved with the kids, the younger yeah. groups. I want the high school football team. And truthfully, when I laid this out to the principal of Hawthorne high school, the girls softball team was the first one to jump in and say, we want to do that. And I was like, well, that's fine. So we haven't been able to accomplish it yet. We hope to get it done this year. Uh, where we can add the kids to come out to the training center and show me your virtual toughness by being a firefighter. And I think we're going to get it done. We're also going into, we, like I say, we ran a movie presentation this past year. It was attended by about 100 people, which free movie presentation, I was happy with that. Uh, we're doing more at our Hawthorne Day, which is our town event. We actually put in slides out for the kids and we're dragging some way. It seems if you bring the kids to us, you bring the parents and the parents learn that you're a volunteer organization and you could do more in a town as a person that moved into our town. So that's helping. Uh, the bottom line is being active, you're putting it out there, what you're about. Yeah. Talking to people. These are our customers. They need to know you're a volunteer group. Try and tell everybody we go to, we have a fire call. Oh, thanks for being here as quick as you are. Well, we, you know, we have to come to the fire. What do you mean? You know, it's it's
0: I'm I'm with you. And I think I think even more so uh, the the problem, the awareness issue compounded tenfold over covid when everybody moved out of the city. I mean, for people that are listening, you and I, you're even close. You're you're another seven minutes down the road from me or five minutes down the road, even closer to the New York City skyline. So we and you have a train line that's in your town that's going right into the city. So it's becoming more and more. A commuter town, right? And so, COVID brought a lot of people out of the urban setting and into suburbia, and we saw such an uptick in residents moving here. And you have to think that people that lived in the city, they know city services. They pick up nine one one and they expect services to be there within a few minutes. And they don't even, they can't even fathom or even understand what a volunteer fire service or volunteer EMS is. They just can't wrap their head around it. Because it is one of those essential services that you are basically guaranteed as a citizen, right? And so it's like, how is that packaged and where does it come from? So COVID really, I think, thrusted the importance of educating our community more so now than ever, that we need to do a better job at it.
1: It's funny you say that. We do have a lot of residents that have moved in from New York City that have said the same thing. They like, say, well, you're volunteers? What do you mean, volunteers? Because we don't get paid for what we do. What? It's, yeah, and it's it's kind of – it turns into a comical thing, and they understand it, and they get it, and then they're very interested in it. Yes. As to really, you give back to the own community, and it saves us not only that, the time, the pride, the money. Yeah. So recruitment from them is is there. It's so for us to sell to them that, hey, you're part of the community now. Welcome aboard. Welcome to our town. But you can give back to the town you decided to move to, and there's ways you can help us. You don't have to always be a firefighter. You could do our radio room. You can work with our ladies, auxiliary, or, or it doesn't matter. There's things you can do in a volunteer service that paid can't have, that we can have. So uh, it's just, it's sell. You're, you're 100% on the money. Sell us, sell your department, let your members do the, the proper talking, and make sure your members that are out there understand that these people are the people that fund everything we do. So if you give them a bad time just by having an attitude or a negative attitude towards them, it's going to reflect. Yeah. Positive doesn't go near as far as negative. So keep it positive, keep them happy, try and make them smile. They're in the worst times of their lives if they're having a fire or somebody's passing because they're having a medical, but you know what? Try and make them feel like they're cared for. If you show empathy and caring to people, you'd be surprised what you get back. And I think we've forgotten that. And it's, it's time to get it back on track with all your services, whether it be EMS or fire and let people realize Hey, there's there's people out there that really care, yeah, and they do. So. Yeah,
0: I I think there's you know there there's a there's a place for the volunteer emergency services, no doubt. I don't think there ever will not be. I think what the real conversation has to be though is we have to ensure that the mission of our organizations, whether career combination or volunteer, they are providing an unconditional service to the residents that trust them to do so, and we have to just have that honesty in that conversation. And it takes leaders like you dynamic leaders that I know stand out in the community. They're, they're important to their people. You let your people work. Chief. Thank you, brother. What an awesome conversation. I appreciate you joining me today and just talking shop. And it's fun because knowing you and I still, there's so many things I learned about you again today in the Hawthorne fire department. I just, I love it. Um, I think, though, that you are on the right path. I think leaders like you that are dynamic, rooted in old school values, and yet you have not lost track of where we need to be today and, and furthering education and pushing our people. These are all things super important, Chief. So thank you very much for sharing today. I appreciate you being back on, man.
1: It's always a pleasure. You know that. You're doing the good work.
0: We're trying. I mean, it's fun. I get to do this. It's fun. Listen. Nobody wants to hear me talk, but if I put them on a podcast, they have to listen to me talk, you know? So it's like, you know, I think that's why I might do this. I don't know.
1: But, well, Jeremy, I love to hear you talk. <laughs> I think what you're promoting is something that we we desperately need. We need to all talk to each other. We need to hear each other. We need to steal ideas that we're throwing out there. So if somebody throws an idea out there, I'm going to take away from it. If they put uh, it out there, it's mine.
0: <laughs> listen, I, I agree with you more so than than ever before. I think that we have an obligation to one another to push – each other forward. I think that the idea of inviting the high school football team out to the training ground and put you guys want to do you guys want to practice one night here, come practice here one night, right? Like I love that idea. Uh, in fact, more so, I, I that's an idea that's going to be shared and and people, you know, I would love to hear other people that think about something like that, just something a little bit different, a little unique you know um i think can go a very long way and it takes dynamic thinking and i think that that's really the important message there is dynamic thinking works it's necessary we need it
1: yeah not all change is good and not all change is bad so you know what you have to find a balance make it work you know it's a, i'm looking at these football players as they are filled with testosterone and ego let's go
0: show yeah show me show me Chief Joe Speranza the Hawthorne, New Jersey Fire Department Chief. Thanks for joining me today on the show, man. I appreciate it. Coming way back five years later, back on the show. I can't wait for this to get out there. Um, Jared's going to love it. I think he'll
1: uh, (laughs) – did you tell – have you talked to him? Yeah, he's on his way up. He's captain now. He's on his way up. I can't wait to make some battalion Chief.
0: When uh, he's coming up, like, he'll be up here? Oh, no, no. He's coming up through the ranks. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for him. Yeah.
1: President of the union. He's doing he's doing the good work. There's no doubt. Jared is definitely doing the good work. I, I don't want to stop. Yeah. I shoot him. <laughs>
0: That's good. Yeah. There you go. Good deal. Well, chief, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it, man. Five years later, the first episode, episode number eight. People listening, check out Joe Sparenza on the on the very one of the very first episodes of National Fire Radio. He uh, trusted me five years ago to sit down with us in a, in a garage and talk shop. And uh, he's back today. So chief, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate you very much. Thanks again.
1: Wishing you guys the best. Be safe.
0: Thanks brother. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast and then uh, I'll be right back to you. Okay. So hang on one sec. Everyone. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the national fire radio podcast. Chief Joe Speranza out of the Hawthorne, New Jersey fire department. What a great episode. A lot of good nuggets here Tucked Away. So do me a favor. Take this conversation. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Because when we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.